I pray thee, Rosalind, sweet my cause, be merry. Dear Celia, I show more mirth than I am mistress of, and would you yet I were merrier? Unless you can teach me to forget a banished father, you must not teach me any extraordinary pleasure. Here and I see thou lovest me not the full weight that I love thee. If my uncle, thy banished father, had banished thy uncle, the duke my father, so thou hast been still with me, I could have taught my love to take thy father for mine. So wouldst thou, if the truth of thy love to me were so righteously tempered as mine is to thee. <laughs> well, I will forget the condition of my estate, to rejoice in yours. You know my father hath no child but I, nor none is like to have. And truly, when he dies, thou shalt be his heir. For what he hath taken away from thy father perforce, I will render thee again in affection. By mine honour I will. And when I break that oath, let me turn monster. Therefore, my sweet Rose, my dear Rose, be merry. From henceforth I will, cuz, and devise sports. Let me see. What think you of falling in love? Marry, I prithee do to make sport withal. But love no man in good earnest, nor no further in sport, neither than with the safety of a pure blush thou mayest in honour come off again. What shall be our sport then? Let us sit and mock the good housewife fortune from her wheel, that her gifts may henceforth be bestowed equally. I would if we could do so, for her benefits are mightily misplaced, and the bountiful blind woman doth most mistake in her gifts to women. <laughs> Tis true. For those that she makes fair, she scarce makes honest, and those that she makes honest, she makes very ill-favouredly. Nay, now thou goes from fortune's office to nature's. Fortune reigns in gifts of the world, not in the lineaments of nature. No. When nature hath made a fair creature, may she not, by fortune, fall into the fire? Though nature hath given us wit to flout at fortune, hath not fortune sent in this fool to cut off the argument? Indeed, there is fortune too hard for nature, and fortune makes nature's natural the cutter off of nature's wit. Peradventure, this is not fortune's work neither, but nature's. Who perceiveth all natural wits too dull to reason of such goddesses, and hath sent this natural for our whetstone. For always the dullness of the fool is the whetstone of the wits. How now, wit? Whither wander you? Mistress, you must come away to your father. Were you made the messenger? No, by mine honour. But I was bid to come for you. Where learned you that oath, fool? Of a certain knight that swore by his honor they were good pancakes, and swore by his honor again the mustard was not. Now, I'll stand to it. The pancakes were not, and the mustard was good, yet was not the knight forsworn. I'll prove you that in the great heap of your knowledge. Aye, Mary. Now, unmuzzle your wisdom. Stand you both forth now. Stroke your chins, and swear by your beards that I am a knave. By our beards, if we had them, thou art. By my knavery, if I had it, then I were. But if you swear by that that is not, you are not forsworn. No more was this knight swearing by his honor, for he never had any. Or, if he had, he had sworn it away long before ever he saw those pancakes or that mustard. Prithee. Who is that thou meanest? One that old Frederick, your father, loves. My father's love is enough to honor him. Enough! Speak no more of him, you'll be whipped for taxation one of these days. Ah, oh, the more pity, that fools may not speak wisely what wise men do foolishly. 
By my troth, thou sayest true. For since the little wit that fools have was silenced, the little foolery that wise men have makes a great show. Here comes Monsieur Le Beau, with his mouth full of news, which he will put on us as pigeons feed their young. Ugh, then shall we be news crammed. All the better. We shall be the more marketable. Bonjour, Monsieur Le Beau. What's the news? Fair princesses, you've lost much good sport. Sport of what color? What color, madame? Uh, how shall I answer you? As wit and fortune will. Or as the destinies decree. Well said. That was laid on with the trowel. Nay, if I keep not my rank... Thou losest thy old smell. You amaze me, ladies. I would have told you of good wrestling, which you have lost the sight of. You tell us the manner of the wrestling. I will tell you of the beginning, and if it please your ladyships, you may see the end, for the best is yet to do. And here, where you are, they are coming to perform it. That is dead and buried. There comes an old man and his three sons. I can match this beginning with an old tale. Three proper young men of excellent growth and presence. With bills on their necks, be it known unto all men by these presents. The eldest of the three wrestled with Charles, the Duke's wrestler, which Charles in a moment threw him and broke three of his ribs, that there is little hope of life in him. So he served the second, and so the third. Yonder they lie, the poor old man their father, making such pitiful dole over them that all the beholders take his part with weeping. Alas! But what is the sport, monsieur, that the ladies have lost? Why, this that I speak of. Thus men may grow wiser every day. It is the first time that ever I heard breaking of ribs was sport for ladies. Or I, I promise thee. But is there anyone else longs to see this broken music in his sights? Is there yet another dotes upon rib-breaking? Shall we see this wrestling, cousin? You must, if you stay here. For here is the place appointed for the wrestling, and they are ready to perform it. Yonder shore, they are coming. Let us now stay and see it. Come on. Since the youth will not be entreated, his own peril on his forwardness. Is yonder the man? Even he, madame. Alas, he is too young. Yet he looks successfully. How now, daughter and cousin? Are you crept hither to see the wrestling? Aye, my liege. So please you, give us leave. You will take little delight in it, I can tell you. There is such odds in the man. In pity of the challenger's youth, I would fain dissuade him. But he will not be entreated. Speak to him, ladies. See if you can move him. Call him hither, good Monsieur Lebeau. Do so. I'll not be by. Monsieur the Challenger, the princesses call for you. I attend them with all respect and duty. Young man, have you challenged Charles the Wrestler? No, fair princess. He is the general challenger. I come but in as others do, to try with him the strength of my youth. Young gentlemen... Your spirits are too bold for your years. You have seen cruel proof of this man's strength. If you saw yourself with your eyes, or knew yourself with your judgment, the fear of your adventure would counsel you to a more equal enterprise. We pray you, for your own sake, to embrace your own safety and give over this attempt. Do, young sir. Your reputation shall not therefore be misprized. We will make it our suit to the Duke that the wrestling might not go forward. I beseech you, punish me not with your hard thoughts, wherein 
I confess me much guilty to deny so fair and excellent ladies anything. But let your fair eyes and gentle wishes go with me to my trial, wherein, if I be foiled, there is but one shamed that was never gracious, if killed, but one dead that was willing to be so. I shall do my friends no wrong, for I have none to lament me, the world no injury, for in it I have nothing. Only in the world I fill up a place, which may be better supplied when I have made it empty. The little strength that I have, I would it were with you. And mine, to eke out hers, fare you well. Pray heaven I be deceived in you. Your heart's desires be with you. Come, where is this young gallant that is so desirous to lie with his mother earth? Ready, sir. But his will hath in it a more modest working. You shall try but one fall. No, I warrant your grace. You shall not entreat him to a second. That have so mightily persuaded him from a first. And you mean to mock me after? You should not have mocked me before. But come your ways. Now, Hercules, be thy speed, young man. I would I were invisible, to catch the strong fellow by the leg. Oh, excellent young man. If I had a thunderbolt in my eye, I could tell who should be down. No more. No more. <sighs> yes, I beseech your grace. I am not yet well breathed. How dost thou, Charles? He cannot speak, my lord. Bear him away. What is thy name, young man? Uh, Orlando, my liege. The youngest son of Sir Roland de Bois. <sighs> I would thou hadst been son to some man else. The world esteemed thy father honorable, but I did find him still mine enemy. Thou shouldst have better pleased me with this deed, hadst thou descended from another house. But fare thee well. Thou art a gallant youth. I would thou hadst told me of another father. Were I my father, cuz, would I do this? I am more proud to be Sir Roland's son his youngest son, and would not change that calling to be adopted heir to Frederick. My father loved Sir Roland as his soul, and all the world was of my father's mind. Had I before known this young man his son, I should have given him tears unto entreaties, ere he should thus have ventured. Sir, you have well deserved. If you do keep your promises in love but justly, as you have exceeded all promise, your mistress shall be happy. Gentlemen, Wear this for me. One out of suit with fortune that could give more, but that her hand lacks means. Shall we go, cuz? Aye. Fare you well, fair gentlemen. Can I not say I thank you? My better parts are all thrown down, and that which here stands up is but a quintain, a mere lifeless block. Oh, he calls us back. My pride fell with my fortunes. I'll ask him what he would. Did you call, sir? Sir, you have wrestled well and overthrown more than your enemies. Will you go, Kaz? Have with you. Fare you well. 
What passion hangs these weights upon my tongue? I cannot speak to her, yet she urged conference. O oh, poor Orlando, thou art overthrown. Or Charles, or something weaker, masters thee. Good sir, I do in friendship counsel you to leave this place. Albeit you deserve high commendation, true applause, and love, yet such is now the Duke's condition that he misconstrues all that you have done. The Duke is more humorous that he is indeed more suits you to conceive than I to speak of? I thank you, sir. And pray you, tell me this. Which of the two was daughter of the Duke that here was at the wrestling? Neither his daughter, if we judge by manners. But yet indeed the lesser is his daughter. The other is daughter to the banished Duke, and here detained by her usurping uncle to keep his daughter company, whose loves are dearer than the natural bond of sisters. But I can tell you that of late his duke hath taken displeasure against his gentle niece, grounded upon no other argument but that the people praise her for her virtues and pity her for her good father's sake. And on my life his malice against the lady will suddenly break forth. Sir, fare you well. Hereafter, in a better world than this, I shall desire more love and knowledge of you. I rest much bounden to you. Fare you well. Thus must I from the smoke into the smother, from tyrant duke unto a tyrant brother. But heavenly Rosalind. Why, cousin? Why, Rosalind? Cupid have mercy. Not a word? Not one to throw at a dog. No, thy words are too precious to be cast away upon curs. Throw some of them at me. Come, lame me with reasons. Then there were two cousins laid up, when the one would be lamed with reasons and the other mad without any. But is all this for your father? No, some of it is for my child's father. Oh, how full of briars is this working day world. They are but burrs, cousin, thrown upon thee in holiday foolery. If we walk not in the treaden paths, our very petticoats will catch them. I could shake them off my coat. These burrs are in my heart. Hem them away. I would try if I could cry hem and have him. Come, come, wrestle with thy affections. Oh, they take the part of a better wrestler than myself. Oh, a good wish upon you. You will try in time, in despite of a fall. But... Turning these jests out of service, let us talk in good earnest. Is it possible, on such a sudden, you should fall into so strong a liking with old Sir Roland's youngest son? Well, the Duke, my father, loved his father dearly. Doth it therefore ensue that you should love his son dearly? By this kind of chase, I should hate him, for my father hated his father dearly. Yet, I hate not Orlando. No, Faith, hate him not. For my sake... Why should I not? Doth he not deserve well? Let me love him for that. And do you love him because I do? Look, here comes the Duke. With his eyes full of anger. Mistress, dispatch you with your safest haste and get you from our court. Me, uncle? You, cousin. Within these ten days, if that thou beest found so near our public court as twenty miles, Thou diest for it. 
I do beseech your grace, let me the knowledge of my fault bear with me. If with myself I hold intelligence or have acquaintance with mine own desires, if that I do not dream or be not frantic, as I do trust I am not, then, dear uncle, never so much as in a thought unborn that I offend your highness. Thus do all traitors. If their purgation did consist in words, they are as innocent as grace itself. Let it suffice thee that I trust thee not. Yet your mistrust cannot make me a traitor. Tell me whereon the likelihood depends. Thou art thy father's daughter. There's enough. So was I when your highness took his dukedom. So was I when your highness banished him. Treason is not inherited, my lord. Or if we did derive it from our friends, what's that to me? My father was no traitor. Then, good my liege, mistake me not so much to think my poverty is treacherous. Dear Sovereign, hear me speak. Aye, Celia, we stayed her for your sake, else had she with her father ranged long. I did not then entreat to have her stay. It was your pleasure and your own remorse. I was too young that time to value her. But now I know her. If she be a traitor, or so am I. We still have slept together. Rose at an instant learned, played, eat together, and wheresoever we went like Juno's swans, still we went coupled and inseparable. She is too subtle for thee, and her smoothness, her very silence, and her patience speak to the people, and they pity her. Thou art a fool. She robs thee of thy name, and thou wilt show more bright and seem more virtuous when she is gone. Then open not thy lips. Firm and irrevocable is my doom which I have passed upon her. She is banished. Pronounce that sentence then on me, my liege. I cannot live out of her company. <sighs> you are a fool. You, niece, provide yourself. If you outstay the time upon mine honor, and in the greatness of my word, you die. Poor Rosalind, whither wilt thou go? Wilt thou change fathers? I will give thee mine, I charge thee. Be not thou more grieved than I am. I have more cause. Thou hast not, cousin. Prithee, be cheerful. Knowest thou not the Duke hath banished me, his daughter? Well, that he hath not. No, hath not? Rosalind lacks then the love which teacheth thee that thou and I am one. Shall we be sundered? Shall we part, sweet girl? No. Let my father seek another heir. Therefore devise with me how we may fly, whither to go and what to bear with us. And do not seek to take your change upon you, to bear your griefs yourself and leave me out. For by this heaven, now at our sorrows pale, say what thou canst, I'll go along with thee. Why, whither shall we go? To seek my uncle in the forest of Arden. Alas, what danger will it be to us, maids as we are, to travel forth so far? Beauty provoketh thieves sooner than gold. I'll put myself in poor and mean attire, and with a kind of umber smirch my face. The like do you. So shall we pass along and never stir assailants. Were it not better, because that I am more than common tall, that I did suit me all points like a man? 
a gallant curtilax upon my thigh, a boar spear in my hand, and in my heart lie there what hidden woman's fear their will will have a swashing and martial outside, as any other mannish cowards have that do outface it with their semblances. What shall I call thee when thou art a man? I'll have no worse a name than Jove's own page, and therefore look you call me Ganymede. But what will you be called? Something that hath the reference to my state no longer Celia, but Aliena. Oh, but cousin, what if we essay to steal the clownish fool out of your father's court? Would he not be a comfort to our travel? He'll go along o'er the wide world with me. Leave me alone to woo him. Let's away, and get our jewels and our wealth together, devise the fittest time and safest way to hide us from pursuit that will be made after my flight. Now, go we in content to liberty, and not to banishment. The Pendant Shakespeare, also known as the Wild Bill Variety Show. As You Like It, Act 1, Part 2. Featuring the voice talents of Olivia Steele as Celia, Alexandra Elroy as Rosalind, Pete Lutz as Duke Frederick, Justin Fife as LeBeau, Will Shipley as Orlando, Finn M.K. as Touchstone, and Todd Spiros as Charles. Written by William Shakespeare. Adapted for audio by Landon Bell. Directed by Sven Halverson. Assistant Director George Linfield. Music by Stephen O'Brien of stephen-obrien.net. This production is copyright 2017, Pendant Productions. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening. Jupiter, how weary are my spirits? Next time, on The Pendant Shakespeare. I prithee, Shepherd, if that love or gold in this desert place by entertainment, bring us where we may rest ourselves and feed. Here's a young maid with travel much oppressed and faints for succor. Fair sir, I pity her, and wish for her sake more than for mine own, my fortunes were more able to relieve her. But I am shepherd to another man, and do not shear the fleeces that I graze. My master is of churlish disposition, and little recks to find the way to heaven by doing deeds of hospitality. Can it be possible that no man saw them? It cannot be. Some villains of my court are of consent and sufferance in this. I cannot hear any that did see her. The ladies, her attendants of her chamber, saw her abed, and in the morning early they found the bed untreasured of their mistress. Forbear, and eat no more. And loves to live in the sun, seeking the food he eats, and pleased with what he gets. Come hither, come hither, Come the forest comes alive in As You Like It, Act 2, part of the Wild Bill Variety Show. Now my co-mates are brothers in exile. 
Hath not old custom made this life more sweet than that of painted pump? Listen or catch up anytime on desktop or mobile at pendantaudio.com.